0: It's time for the Masters of the Universe Chronicles commentary Focusing on a classic episode as we join the hosts Chris Vint and James Etock And hear their
1: thoughts on their chosen episode
0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Master of the Universe Chronicles Commentary. Every time I say that, I am near enough run out of breath. And welcome back onto the show, with the host with the most knowledge. Uh, somebody said they wanted to be the hostess with the mostest, so that's probably the best I could uh, do at this time, which is James E. Talk. Hello dear James.
1: Hello. I'm happy to be the host with the most knowledge as opposed to the host <laughs> with the mostest. Um, yes, good to be back. Thank you for uh, once again having me.
0: No problem. Uh, what episode are we going to be discussing today?
1: We're going to be commenting on The Region of Ice from He-Man Season 1, episode 44, if memory serves me correctly, which it usually does. Um we have in this episode He-Man Skeletor, a few of the others. It's very funny. It's a Snake Mountain centric episode. And uh yes, it's it's a very it's a slapstick episode. Yes.
0: Okay, are you ready for the lethal weapon countdown then, sir?
1: Ready. Hit me with the three, the two and the one. Okay, three,
0: two, one, play.
1: Oh, my one took a bit uh a bit while there, actually, to do that. Stupid technology. <laughs> it's you wonderful whenever it works. Yes. E-man! So, and so
0: James, with the region of ice, um, has this always been one that you've wanted to cover?
1: Yeah, funnily enough, uh, excuse me. <coughs> funnily enough, we, um, when, when myself and Dave Dagar and Newman were doing the commentaries for the uh, UK DVD releases. When we, when it came to do these, um, I think volumes seven, six, seven, eight, and nine, we um, we obviously had to pick two episodes for each volume. And for the for uh, this volume, which I believe is volume eight, we wanted to do Temple of the Sun and Region of Ice, and. For some reason, I can't remember why, but we found out like a day in advance that for some reason the company hadn't got the master of the region of ice, the digital master from which we could do the commentary, so that episode was scrapped and I was kinda of gutted because I'm like a huge fan of this episode. Doesn't mean I got lot to say on it, but I just I wanted to say, Oh, I did a commentary on that episode. You said that about
0: the time corridor, and you certainly knew a hell of a lot about that, so I'm sure this one here. (laughs) I've picked out certain observations, the Chris Vint way of, why does this happen? Why does that happen? Why does this happen?
1: Please feel free to uh, wax lyrical.
0: I will do my best. And obviously this isn't the only episode that we have based on ice. Uh, Obviously the other episode features a character called Icer.
1: Oh yes, uh, the Ice Age cometh. There's a lot of... um, not, not a lot, but there's, there's quite a few snow-based episodes um, in the series. And they, they're always interesting, at least initially for this one, because it's like a change of location. Yeah, it's not the Royal yeah. Palace, it's not the Evergreen Forest, it's not Castle Grayskull. And obviously we end up at Snake Mountain this episode, but um, it's a good way to start, you know. Although, <laughs> uh, there's really a bit of dialogue where um, Orko says, I'm great, um, I can't understand why Cringer didn't want to come along. Refused to come because snow is cold, and you think that's really weird because Cringer shows up in loads of snow episodes
0: (laughs) and obviously obviously in the Turnier. Yes,
1: well, the funny thing is, look at this look at the size of Prince Adam's feet in that shot, (laughs) they are long. I'm sorry, but the artist on that one has really you know got something wrong. Draw Prince Adam's feet, oh, I've I've messed them up. This is I always always love the intro, the, the start of the way this. Very, very, the the wicked filmation music. You think something's a bit off. Yeah, Queen Minding has just uh, done a runner. I like the way they. It's just really believable the way they like Man Arms. Is perhaps she's playing a trick and she's going to leap out and you know whatever. And you think, oh, okay, she's uh, she's gone. And then each of them vanish. And it's such a good little uh, beginning because it's all done very mysteriously, and we don't find out for I think a good few minutes what's happened to them.
0: Mm-hmm. And obviously they have the little button to help the skis go along, which oh, yeah. have each hand. Tila has both her hands to her mouth, so is she following <laughs> her father and decides to tuck <laughs> it away somewhere?
1: <laughs> She's uh, She crashes later, that's why she gets uh, nabbed. This is interesting, here we go, man-at-arms, what's that he got in his hand? It's a lightsaber! But I bet you any money they didn't call it in the lightsaber in the scripts. Energy staff!
0: <laughs> Saber Energy. of light.
1: <laughs> yeah, Saber of the light. Prince Adam's feet again are huge I'm sorry I'm <laughs> obsessed with his feet there's an interesting one If you, actually if you look at that previous shot it doesn't show it but all there's, you can see four tracks next to the wind raid are all disappearing I like the way it's one specific spot though which is kind of disappointing it just means yeah. that they all went over that specific place. if you look at this shot Prince Adam's holding his sword like he's ready to transform but it's in his left hand and that's the wrong hand oh yes, yes. If you watch pretty much every single episode he's never gone to his left when he transforms but oh, it's, it's funny as a kid I remember watching this episode and like never never recorded it because as I've said in pr- uh, previous commentary we had the series shown twice aired once and then a rerun and that's all you got on terrestrial television for like seven or eight years and um I always remember that was my one memory of this episode was Prince Adam with the sword of power in the wrong hand. <laughs> Even <laughs> the as a GM's kid, I was... away. exactly. Even as a kid, I was a, a nerd. I was like, oh, that's surely that's a mistake of the animator's part. <laughs> goes all co the caverns. Sorry, this is very cool. Oh, that's a great image. This we see Prince yeah. Adam holding up the sword. Actually, in the in the, in the script, it's um less dramatic, and I I prefer it in a way is that he wasn't going to transform and this whole scene, he's just like the others just trapped, That he's not holding up the sword because the weird thing about this is and you you see it when Prince Adam's freed is that it's implied that Prince Adam and all this lot can hear the conversations that are taking place, even though they're frozen because the first thing Prince Adam says is you know, knowing that Orko's playing the role of He-Man as it comes up Prince Adam says, He-Man, thank you for rescuing me you think, so, okay, so he can hear the conversation. Then surely everybody's looking across going, why has Adam got a sword in the air? Why is he trying to grab a sword? You know? <laughs> <laughs> I love, do you I like
0: him. this guy's voice as well.
1: Yes, um, I think it's Alan Oppenheimer. But it's, it's a, a, a. I like the idea, though, and this happens in a few episodes, where he's heard of He-Man, but he's never met him. Now, the best episode that, that's done in is um, A Tale of Two Cities where nobody... He-Man's a legend in this... Uh, two city community so very very well done I do, I do love Orko's uh, uh, He-Man voice he puts on the brave voice <laughs> I am He-Man Blue Shiner voice in Orko as always Orko's droopy sword whoop I this comes back later in the episode but it's like He-Man you know why have you got a giant O on your chest yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, uh... maybe it just stands for oh I'm He-Man by the way yeah, yeah. It's, it's He-Man it's pronounced with a, it's got a silent O in it <laughs> <laughs> this is I, 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 this this scene isn't really done well but it's you can just about make out what happens is that that, that causes an avalanche the Ice Lord doesn't see the fireball hit all code because there's a wall of stuff that, you know, this is all in front of them, And that's, that is only there just to shield the fact that Orko is freed by this. Yeah. But the weird thing is, the Rockfall is still there, so surely the Ice Lord shouldn't be able to see him. Where's the Rockfall? <laughs> but I do like this, this bit. He-Man, I beseech you! I hey man, I beseech you. <laughs> the Ice Lord's talking to Orko as if he is He-Man. <laughs> But
0: Orko probably goes, like, Beseech? What does that mean? <laughs> yeah. Are we going down to the beach or something today?
1: I haven't touched you. I haven't besieged you. <laughs> I do, I do, again, this conversation, it's... it's the, I mean, it's, it's not apparent in the episode yet, but this episode becomes very comical, very, especially towards the end, very action slapstick, and it's there's a weird bit of dialogue here where um, he, he um, actually just gone he says the Ice Lord says I don't want to do this and, uh, and it sounds like he's like struggling and he's, he's at pain with the dialogue but I think in the script it just indicates he's whispering and it's like well, Skeletor can't hear you can he? <laughs> oh, unless, unless you're watching the Royal Cousin in, in, which, in which Triclops utters the immortal line Skeletor has ways of hearing is so what? Well, with his ears, you know. <laughs> <whatever he does.
0: laughs> kind of the way you have ways of seeing, Triclops. Yes,
1: yeah, yeah. I have three ways of seeing. Here we go. Here's my assistant. Nice bit of reverse footage here when you see the sword land in his hand. Of the him.
0: embarrassment of Orko here. This
1: <laughs> <laughs> is a good little scene as I well, like. Transforming Heyman will go and free the others, and Adams like you, you gave your word.
0: As oh, Heyman. As no, Heyman. He I like this bit of dialogue as well, but He-Man will be needed for the immediate task.
1: That's right, yeah. Actually, and uh, not to get too geeky with the transformation, but um, the dialogue is usually uh, finished by the time he takes out the sword. Oh, no, sorry, in other words, by the time the, the camera pans towards the sword. But on this one, I think it's just a bit cut off. Yeah, it's just, it just about gets the dialogue in. It just proves that every time they did that sequence, they they wouldn't adhere to like the timesheets, and it would just mean they would change it each and every time, mix it up a little bit. There's a there's a uh, this is where the dialogue just starts to get really good. <laughs> We're going to Snake Manor it itself, and He-Man's, you're beginning to sound like Cringer. I just think that's that's such a good line because it's um you know it's taking a character isn't in the episode, but it's just referencing you know you're starting to sound like that cowardly cat. <laughs> I'm only your assistant. <laughs> I'm only your assistant. But a great visual there in the background—we actually see it change from the day sky into the technically night sky, but the, the sky that primarily surrounds Car- um, Snake Mountain. I just like the idea that you—you know—they're getting towards Snake Mountain, and suddenly so the sky is never ever used before, or you know, ever again in the series. But you just see it transform from day into night. It's a nice little touch because it's just like, oh, sweet as opposed to them flying in the day, transitional scene, and suddenly they're outside Snake Mountain. There we go. <laughs> this is, it, uh, again, um, it's, it's interesting throughout the series, is that the characters have different ways of getting in and out of Snake Mountain. Castle Grayskull's different, because all you've got is the jawbridge snake mountain you've got and you can do this you Go throughout the series, there's secret passageways there's se- uh, entrances, there's other entrances there's the mouth of the snake which in this episode for some reason they choose to go through the mouth of the snake and you think why? I mean it's, it makes for a great dramatic end of act one where it's like through the mouth of the snake but it just, it just seems like a weird thing for them to do is to go all the way up to the snake just to get in
0: yeah why didn't here's, it just land on the, the top of the snake's head?
1: Exactly. And here's a... Um, that's a nice joke that I don't think many people get, but uh, Skeletor says he's done something to my reception, all I get is snow. And obviously, the common term, or at least I think the, the Western term for um, TV interference from the 80s, was snow, when, when you couldn't get a picture stabilised, so you would technically have snow on the TV. So that's like a little writer's joke there, that Skeletor's right. snow... Beastman, it's just I just love the dialogue in this episode so much. Let's like go Like
0: whenever Beastman's running down the hall and he's mut- muttering to himself <laughs> as well.
1: There's a lot of muttering. His trap jaw doing a bit of a muttery like rush-a, rush-a, rush-a. <laughs> And uh, you know, it's just it's a strange episode. I mean, a great episode in the fact there's just so many something jokes or gags or weird little moments like like this. Usually just thinking to like a season two episode beastman walk in threaten a prisoner maybe a bit of silly dialogue but I just like this she she's already composing like a bit of snow on the ceiling beastman walks in the snow lands on his head it's just it's her reaction as well. silly little laugh <laughs> <laughs> he's not happy but it's and then he leaves and he slips over as well but its it's just this it's a very much um if you look at the episode on a whole, it's, there's so much like slapstick action in it. Especially, I mean, it's, towards the end it gets ridiculous. Yeah,
0: but I think that's what sets it apart from the other episodes. You know, it's just a pure comedy fact of
1: it. This this action scene is so so original, I'd say. It's like... Orca okay, goes travelling past. You know, Traptor does this. I love this, where he whirls him up. He winds up. He must be a in...
0: demon at eating spaghetti.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, that's my fault. But it's, it's this, and then He-Man's there, and they're just like kind of semi-mocking Traptor. You know, I told you, wasn't too I told you he wasn't too smart. smart. I thought it was clever or smart. And, um, and then we get this whole scene where it's like, this is the ten-foot pole I wouldn't touch you with. Yeah. It's such a weird little action scene. I love those traps. <laughs> it's just bouncing <laughs> around as well. It's just so much silliness in this episode.
0: How would he actually hit the intercom though with the thing on the top of his head?
1: Yeah, probably. Actually, that thing on the top of his head. I always loved the, the toy advert when I was a kid, and you'd see what that was used for. Is you put yeah. string on the character. It was actually used in the mini comic as well. But it's like, oh, that's what that's for. <laughs> I thought it was just a loop. I like traps was incessant bite in there as well. Just like. <laughs> It's, it's weird, it's such a original action, I don't know who thinks of this, it's like we're going to do string at either end and Trapjaw has to stay biting onto this thing till like I live.
0: There's one thing that he should have said here, was he says, you know, like, no, no, don't say anything. He should have said, it's bad manners to talk with your mouth full, oh, Trapjaw. You
1: should have written eight <laughs> anyway, minutes. That is a perfect line. Shall we go inside?
0: Oh, they off to the see Skeletor, and uh, uh, there's one thing that gets me about this episode. He-Man is not stealthy at all. Orko is fine at doing yeah. stealthy You know, but there's Skeletor, and they go <laughs> like, "Now we have to go and see Skeletor. Like, <laughs> it's right there. He has ways of hearing. He-Man he has ways
1: of hearing. I just like this. This shot is great. Where He-Man, Orko, there, and Skeletor's just walking past. Oh. Skeletor,
0: come on, Orko. And it's just like, yeah, don't lower your voice around. I yeah. He-Man will you.
1: Well, it's just like he walks in the same direction. <laughs> it's even more confusing. Actually, in the script, um, one thing I've got to mention is um, the Ice Lord and his daughter, Snowflake. Again, I, I just love the, the way female characters were drawn on the show. Snowflake's a great little character. Um, they were they're actually designed to have um, or actually written to have blue skin. But oh for, some, for some reason, I, I thought that would have been a really cool visual to see. But for some reason, they decided at some point to give her, um, you know, White skin, I guess.
0: Another female character with blonde hair as well.
1: Yes, there were quite a few of them in the series. Although, well, Filmation are known more for their redheads, like um, Teela and Princess Aura. in um, Flash Gordon was probably one of their most famous mm-hmm. uh, bits of anim- character animation. So we see the button, the
0: button being pressed. Be you know, filmed to go out. go out. So, so does he not press, press the button? button?
1: He doesn't care for buttons. Nope, nope top of shoulder. Arco.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah. Let's just break our way in again, again. He-Man, not stealthy.
1: I just love, this is a great, that's a great bit of dialogue. It's ridiculous dialogue, but it's so funny. It's like, you know, we're He-Man and Arco. Which is which? It's like, well, one yeah. type looks like He-Man, the other's got a giant O on his chest. <laughs> I can't help but think she does that on purpose. Which is which? And He-Man's dialogue, again, is great. Don't ask Arco. He just gets confused. <laughs> that's fantastic though, it's so well done Cause it's, it's not just like we're here to rescue let's go but like, and, and even she's like I, I would appreciate if we just got out of it and this is a weird scene oh, I
0: love I love the, what E-Man <laughs> says I love what he says
1: I'll let you take it away
0: oh man, making soup
1: <laughs> Actually, it's just, uh, again, it's it's another action scene that's just, like, out there and, like, really original. Because you would get this in another episode. Beastman, you know, with a giant hot cauldron of uh, boiling water <laughs> with a woman who turns it into, like, an ice structure which he then breaks. It's all just so...
0: And the noise that Beast Man makes running off is very odd as well. Oh, ding-dong, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> catch. Same animation that He-Man threw in a boulder.
1: Yeah, oh, many other things. This right actually for years, and to, still to this day, Skeletor's um, line to baseman is still one of my favourites in the entire series. <laughs> I'll
0: let you take that away then.
1: It's just such a good saying.
0: There's the noises talking about, managing not to fall off.
1: I, would appreciate... I just lo- I love Snowflake's dialogue, can we just like, I would appreciate yeah. if we could get out of here please. It's not like, oh thank you for saving me, or, or thanks for the, it's just like, let's go. <laughs> And it's this—it's a some running
0: around, even.
1: Yeah, it's like we—all we have to do is walk out the door, and all this—it's just really odd. Here it comes. I just love Skeletor's line. This is just—this is just beautiful. Here it comes, beastman's all confused. <laughs> <laughs> I just—I don't know why. I just think that it's such a great, game. Cause especially with the visual. You got beastman running up to him in a giant pot. On his head. And it's kind of like, is this supposed to be funny. <laughs>
0: I um, thought you were going to say about drop joe He's sleeping on the job again. That is a good line. That's
1: equally. Good, that's equally as good line. Like, what, what's going on? <laughs> Haven't seen anything yet. Again, and you think what Skeletor doing here? This is a very interesting. Actually, pulling a, a, a lever or a lever, and you think oh, something's something's uh, up. There it is. We're and. I like, again, it's this whole thing about the mouth of the snake is the only way they can get an out. Oh, Trapjaw's line is immortal. I, I just love the idea that something happened that we didn't see, and it's Trapjaw basically escaping the most impossible situation. But again, it's funny because you think, well, how the how heck did he get out? And it's because he did, you know.
0: Well, maybe Trapjaw was the one who taught Eskelator, um how to be a trapeze artist. Oh, yeah! Again, in the greatest show in the on oh, this episode
1: it's, as well. See the way yeah. I worked it. We will do it one day. We will do that episode. <laughs> All will I will be, be here that day. <laughs> oh, here's an interesting. Yeah, snake mounting technically comes alive because the mouth of the the, the the snake closes. But here is uh, again another, probably one of my f- next to three on a dare where he fights the villains. This is another one of my favourite action scenes because it's again it's just. It's silly! It's so quick. E-Man goes, "Where's he going?" Trap Jaw it's, it's all done really comically. <laughs> By the way, it's staged, and then he just gets, and it's if you listen to the dialogue. I mean, the animation of Skeletor and Beastman slipping is, is funny enough, but it's, as Trap collides, all you hear is, "I think it's man just go, doc." It's, <laughs> oh, no! dark! <laughs> it's like the, doc. <laughs> it's just such a silly line, <laughs> but this this bit's weird. It's like he man, escape! Uh, they all leave, but where do they run to? It's The mouth of the snake. If they, if those two just run out, so they'd fall off the edge, fall out the mouth of the snake, and onto the the harsh rocks below.
0: I love Skeletor's face here.
1: Yeah, it's when he when he uh, reacts to this the uh, <laughs> yeah. snake. But it's just, I don't know. It's just one of those episodes. It's just so different. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it, I, it's just, it's very original. It's just, um, I'm trying to remember. Patrick Duncan, who wrote this episode, wrote another one. I can't, for the love me, I can't remember what it is. I say to remember, that Scott. that's a similar kind of, just striking episode for what it is. People might watch this and go, oh, it's just, it's a rescue episode. But it's the way in which it's done. It's funny, it's clever, it's, it's action packed, but it's action with a difference. It's not like He Man ties up trap Trapjaw and that's it. You know, we get like funny yeah. jokes that, that are, tied into that. And, um, was nice that know, a pun? That wasn't supposed to be a pun. As I said, I was like, that's a pun. <laughs> um, it's a good little ending. We've all come in there. Dude. <laughs> the hero always gets the reward. And it's probably one of the funniest moral segments ever. Man, I've just got antenna.
0: I was going to say that. I can't use the words. out of my know. <laughs> man Or man maybe that's where they got that from.
1: Antenna. I think you've done it. I mean, it's... Such a weird one. They've clearly done it on purpose because <laughs> that, that background is used. and I think it might be oh, the return of the Gryphon, moral, and it's all kind of man Arms stood in front, but Man Arms is not positioned with two antennas sticking up. <laughs> but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they did that as a joke as well. It's like well, it's been a funny episode. Let's stick a couple of antennas on it. Yeah,
0: for me. A- basically it's one that you could put on and just watch and just every time you watch it um, it's just funny to actually look at you know and just some of the dialogue as you said it's just uh, top notch so where does it rank in your overall ratings answer
1: I'd say it's right up there I wouldn't say it's like you know your Prince Adam no more or you know Taylor's Quest or Problem with Power but it's 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 definitely not far it's way above average it's, it's not it's you know it's it's too good an episode to be an average episode because it's it it takes every element that could be a you know an average episode and just does something different. It just feels very refreshing, even though you spend like what half the episode at Snake Mountain. It's just it's just something good about it. Yeah,
0: I totally agree with you there. So, again, James, thank you so much for uh, giving me an insight into the region of ice and certain little snippets here and there of tidbits of information uh, with yourself, you know, bringing up so many pages of Wikipedia in my head, so to speak. Uh, but thank you very much, sir.
1: Thank you. Uh, pleasure as always.
0: Okay, so that was The Region of Ice. Uh, stay tuned for the upcoming Master Universe Chronicles, the full episode with another bonus one coming out. Um, and uh, we'll not divulge what we're going to discuss, because we never do. We like to keep it a surprise. So, until next time. Orko certainly helped us out in today's adventure, and he learned a good lesson too. He made a promise to the Ice Lord he thought he could break. But Adam showed him you shouldn't make a promise knowing you're not going to keep it. People judge you by many things. Your appearance, your honesty, the way you act. Those things show your character. When you make a promise and don't keep it, it shows bad character. So always think before you speak and mean what you say. That way what you say will be respected. See you again soon.
1: Let the power return!